Welcome to the True Crime Truckers Podcast. This podcast deals with true crime and subjects such as rape, murder, and sexual assault. This podcast may not be suitable for younger listeners, so listener discretion is advised. Atlanta, Georgia, a progressive and diverse city in the middle of the Deep South. Atlanta has a topographic feature that includes rolling hills and dense tree coverage, earning it the nickname, the city in a forest. However, from 1979 to 1981, the city was gripped in terror as young black children started coming up missing and eventually being found dead. As the case progressed, what seemed like a lack of effort to solve the case by law enforcement led to speculation that the murders were a series of hate crimes. Tonight, on the True Crime Truckers podcast, I bring you the case of the Atlanta child murders. out with one dollar and um, he didn't come back in an hour and I was mad and mad and didn't come back and it's not Jeffrey no better than this. I'm gonna do something a little bit different and I'm gonna go over the crimes first before we start getting into the case and the suspect. So starting in 1979 Edward Hope Smith also known as Teddy, and Alfred Evans, also known as Q, both 14, disappeared four days apart. Their bodies were found on July 28th in a wooded area. Smith with a 22 caliber gunshot wound to his upper back, they were believed to be the first victims of the punitive Atlanta child killer. On September 4th, the next victim, 14-year-old Milton Harvey, disappeared while on an errand to the bank for his mother. He was riding a yellow 10-speed bike, which was found a week later in a remote area of Atlanta. His body was not recovered until November of that year. On October 21st, nine-year-old Yusuf Bell went to a store to buy Brutton Snuff for a neighbor, Eula Birdsong, at Reese Groceries on McDaniel Street. A witness said she saw Yusuf near the intersection of McDaniel and Fulton getting into a blue car before he disappeared. 
His body was found on November 8th in the abandoned E.P. Johnson Elementary School by a school janitor who was looking for a place to urinate. Bell's body was found clothed in the brown cut-off shorts he was last seen wearing, though he had a piece of masking tape stuck to them. He had been hit over the head twice, and the cause of death was strangulation. Police did not immediately link his disappearance to the previous killings. 1980 On March 4, 1980, the first female victim, 12-year-old Angel Lanier, disappeared. She left her house around 4 p.m. wearing a denim outfit and was last seen at a friend's house watching the television program Sanford and Son. Lanier's body was found six days later in a wooded vacant lot along Campbellton Road wearing the same clothes in which she had left home. A pair of white panties that did not belong to Lanier were stuffed in her mouth and her hands were bound with an electrical cord. The cause of death was strangulation. On March 11th, one week after Lanier's disappearance, 11-year-old Jeffrey Mathis disappeared while on an errand for his mother. He was wearing gray jogging pants, brown shoes, and a white and green shirt. Months later, a girl said she saw him get into a blue car with a light-skinned man and a dark-skinned man. The body of Jeffrey Mathis was found in a briar-covered patch of woodlands, 11 months after he disappeared by which time it was not possible to identify a cause of death. On May 18th, 14-year-old Eric Middlebrooks disappeared. He was last seen answering the telephone at home and then leaving in a hurry on his bicycle, taking with him a hammer to repair the bicycle. His body was found the following day next to his bicycle in the rear garage of an Atlanta bar. The bar was located next door to what was then the Georgia Department of Offender Rehabilitation. His pockets were turned inside out, his chest and arms had slight stab wounds, and the cause of death was determined to be blunt force trauma to the head. A few weeks before he disappeared, Middlebrooks had testified against three juveniles in a robbery case. On June 9th, 12-year-old Christopher Richardson went missing on his way to a local pool. He was last seen walking towards the DeKalb County Midway Recreation Center in Midway Park. He was wearing blue shorts, a light blue shirt, and blue tennis shoes. His body was not found until the following January, clothed in unfamiliar swing trunks. Along with the body of a later victim, Earl Terrell, the cause of Richardson's death was not determined. On June 22nd, seven-year-old Latanya Wilson disappeared from her parents' apartment. According to a witness, she appeared to have been abducted by two men, one of whom was seen climbing into the apartment window and then holding Wilson in his arms as he spoke to the other man in the parking lot. On October 18th, Wilson's body was found in a fenced-in area at the end of Verbena Street in Atlanta. By then, the body had been skeletonized and no cause of death could be established. The next day, June 23rd, 10-year-old Aaron White disappeared after having been seen near a local grocery store getting into a blue Chevrolet with either one or two black men. A female witness said she saw White being led from Tanner's Corner Grocery Store by a 6-foot-tall, 180-pound black male 
approximately 30 years old, with a mustache and goatee. The witness's description of the car matched a description of a similar car implicated in the earlier Jeffrey Mathis disappearance. At 6 p.m., Weich was last seen at a shopping center. The following day, Weich's body was found under a bridge. The official cause of death was asphyxiation from a broken neck suffered in a fall. In July 1980, two more children, Anthony Carter and Earl Terrell, were murdered. Between August and November of 1980, five more killings took place. All the victims were African-American children between the ages of 7 and 14, and most were killed via asphyxiation. cases involve young black people under the age of 15. The method under which they were killed in terms of the homicides involves some similarities. We have to look at the possibility that there may be some connection. 1981. The murders continued into 1981. The first known victim of the new year was Lubby Jeter, who disappeared on January 3rd. Jeter's body was found on February 5th. Jeter's friend Terry Pugh went missing in January. An anonymous caller told the police where to find Pugh's body. Terry lived in the same apartment as Edward Teddy Smith, who was killed in 1979. In February and March of 1981, six more bodies were discovered, believed to be linked to the previous homicides. Among the dead was the body of Eddie Duncan, the first adult victim. In April, 20-year-old Larry Rogers and 28-year-old John Porter and 21-year-old Jimmy Ray Payne were murdered. Porter and Payne were ex-convicts that had just recently been released from Arendale State Prison after serving time for burglary. On May 12, 1981, FBI agents found the body of 17-year-old William Billy Starr Barrett on a curb in a wooded area near his home. A witness, 32-year-old Harold Wood, a custodian from Southwest High School, had run out of gas about a mile from the scene. Wood described a black man standing over and observing the location where the body was found before driving away in a white over blue Cadillac. During the end of May 1981, the last reported victim was added to the list, 27-year-old Nathaniel Carter. He was last seen by gardener Robert Henry at the entrance of the Rialto Theater in Atlanta, reportedly holding hands with Wayne Williams. His body was discovered just hours later. Investigator Chet Dettinger created a map of the victims' locations. Despite the difference in ages, the victims fell within the same geographic parameters. They were connected to Memorial Drive and 11 major streets in the area. During the murders, more than 100 agents were working on the investigation. 
the city of Atlanta had imposed curfews, and parents in the city removed their children from school and forbade them from playing outside. As the media coverage of the killings intensified, the FBI predicted that the killer might dump the next victim into a body of water to conceal any evidence. Police staked out nearly a dozen area bridges, including crossings on the Chattahoochee River. During a stakeout on May 22, 1981, detectives got their first major break when an officer heard a splash beneath a bridge. Another officer saw a white 1970 Chevrolet station wagon turn around and drive back across the bridge. Two police cars later stopped the suspected station wagon about a half a mile from the bridge. The driver was 23-year-old Wayne Bertram Williams, a supposed music promoter and freelance photographer. As always, you can contact me at truecrimetruckerpodcast at gmail.com or join the Facebook group at True Crime Trucker Podcast Group. You can also join Age of Radio's Facebook group at Addicted to Podcasting. This is a group dedicated to the show hosts and fans of Age of Radio shows. You can also visit my website at www.ageofradio.org slash true crime truckers slash there you can browse the bazaar where you can purchase items from our wonderful sponsors as well as browse other shows on the age of radio syndicate you can also find me on instagram at michael.prit81 i will return in two weeks so until then stay safe